Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, metalheads. This is Donnie Hillier from Trauma, and you are listening to Mark Striegel on the Talkin' Metal Show. Horns up. Hi, this is Michelangelo Badio, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Yeah. Welcome to episode 526 of the Talking Metal Podcast. I'm so glad you could join me here on today's episode. We have some great guests, including Michael Angelo Badio, and also from the band Trauma, Donnie Hillier. Real quick, before we get into the episode, please support Talking Metal with a PayPal donation. It would be great to get some support from you guys, from the listeners, uh, you know, back in 2012, 2013, we used to get a lot of support from you guys um, with the PayPal donations. And uh, that has definitely, definitely dropped off. I know some of you guys are still uh, showing some support, and I do appreciate that. But would love to get a little support. It's not only financial support, it's emotional support. Helps us know that what we're doing here is uh, being enjoyed by people around the world so thanks guys and also remember those amazon links you guys are always good with those and i, I do appreciate that um, use our amazon links to take you over to amazon before making your purchase and that definitely helps us out so thanks guys and uh, you can also buy a t-shirt in the t-shirt section and always show the support for the artists that we feature on today's podcast like Donnie from Trauma or or Michelangelo Badio definitely go buy their stuff these guys are out they're doing art and uh, as you know there's not a lot of money in music anymore so show your support with buying the product they are promoting on today's podcast all right guys um, I've been bad with getting these up every Tuesday like like we've been doing for the last few years and we're going to get back on target. As some of you know, I've been working on That Metal Show, season 14. Uh, I've actually been the coordinating producer this season. It's been an honor. And uh, I've also been solely producing most of the 
the online content that's up on YouTube and VH1.com, the additional online content that's outside of the, the realm of the show or that after show. So we've done some great stuff. If you haven't checked it out, please go to VH1.com. If you're in the United States, if you're outside of the United States, you will have to go to YouTube to, to view that stuff. And we've done some great stuff. And I've even had the uh, the pleasure, the honor of hosting one of the online shows called That Metal Gear uh, it started off with a guy named Ben Smith, who uh, was a writer at VH1. He actually ended up leaving the company, and they asked me to do it. And uh, it's been great. I love talking guitars with people like Michelangelo Badio. So if you haven't seen uh, my clip with Michael, definitely. We'll link it through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com, but definitely also go to YouTube and check out all the other ones uh, I've done with Zach Wilde and Frank Hannon and Rich Ward and... Uh, Mike Orlando, Billy Sheehan. There's a lot of great ones. Okay, thanks, guys. And right now, let's get into my interview with Michael Angelo Badio. Hey, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and we are welcoming back Michael Angelo Badio. How are you, Michael? Oh, good, Mark. I feel great. I'm in L.A. right now, so things are good. Cool. What's going on out in L.A.? Was it uh, was it a show for you? Yeah, yeah. I had a concert last night, and then I'm I'm releasing uh, some signature products like strings and pits and cables and things. So I, I have a meeting today about it. I'm only there for a couple of days. Only here for a couple of days. Before we start talking here, I just want to say congratulations. Your new record, Shred Force One, number 11 on the Hard Rock albums on the Billboard charts. Very impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it hit number two on the Heat Seekers chart. I, I was very pleased. I'm just grateful. It was awesome. Excellent. And let's talk a little bit about this record, because this is a great record for, you know, it, it boggles my mind that somebody might not know who you are at this stage in your career, but there are people out there who haven't really been in, introduced to you yet. And this is really a great introduction, because it definitely goes back and kind of um, is almost kind of like a compilation of some of the, the greatest stuff you've done over the years, right? Yes, yeah, we took uh, songs from... Uh... You know, the original the band Holland that I was in, my, my first major legal band, all the way up to my last uh, solo release, uh, solo record before Shred Force One. And, uh, and and I think Rat Pack Records did a great job. They actually uh, picked a lot of the songs. You know, there were certain ones that, you know, we, we knew that had to be on there. But some of the other ones, for example, that song got a run. Uh, I didn't know they would like it. And and uh, and uh, Joe O'Brien, the president of Rat Pack, said, was, yeah, put it on. This is good, <laughs> and uh, so it worked out. It worked out great. I'm very happy with the way it turned out. Yeah, let's talk about that song. That's an old song by your band Holland. Uh, was this the first time? I know you've done some little like hints at at Holland songs, um, but is this the first time that you've fully re-recorded one of those old Holland songs? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, I, you know, I just you know love that band and and. Uh, it's just that song. It's one that follows me around no matter where I go. Even though I haven't haven't played it in a long time, I would be signing autographs, and somebody would hand me a Holland album that they had asked about the band, and it's it's all the time. So I, I and that was one that you know again. I'm I'm glad Rat Pack Records picked out the songs for the new album because we didn't know Gotta Run would be the popular song with that band right. with Holland. We had no idea. We thought this other song that never made it on our album. It was going to be our big song. But the public 
that we like Gotta Run, when we started to play it live, everybody was commenting on that song. So I'm really happy it made the album. Yeah, absolutely. And when when you go back to those days that you were uh, you were a part of Holland in the in the Chicago land area, how, how do you think like songs like that kind of rose to the top? Was it the radio airplay that you were receiving on on stations like you know RPM with Scott Loftus and stuff like that? Was that a big part of it? Yeah, and and we even we even got uh, Atlantic Records. I still have the actual single. It's it's the size of an album. And it's such high resolution because the, the grooves are farther apart. I, um, Atlantic Records really liked that song, and they said this is the one. And and so yeah, we we got uh, you know airplay on it, and and we we got to do uh, a, a short tour with Aerosmith, and that's when I first played my double guitar. It was actually on, on with Aerosmith. It was wild, and, and uh, but yeah, it, we just. It became like the song for us, you know. We started to play it; everybody went crazy. Cool, and now so you have. I was, I was happy. Yeah, you have happy this, to put it on the new album. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about the new version of "Gotta Run" that's on Shred Force One, your new record. Who is playing with you on on that song specifically? Yeah, what I did was I it, when I re-recorded it um, because a lot of uh, the new album, uh, you know, has really you know big name guest stars on there. And on this one, I didn't. I wanted to make it a little more metal version, and, and so and there was a singer in the Chicago area that I really liked, and, and uh, you know he, was, he had just more that that rock and metal voice, and I wanted to, to do a little different take because the original. I, I still love the original version. The, the singing is so soulful on it, and and but they really that's one track that really doesn't have the the rock stars on it, but it just came out so good. You know the bass player is fantastic. The drummer's really good. The singing's really good, and and we we added some vocal parts when we were in Holland that never made it on the album, and, and so I added those back in. Cool, cool. Well, it sounds great. We'll definitely uh, link over to the the tracks on iTunes and on Amazon, so the Talking Metal listeners can buy them or you know buy the the full CD, which is what I recommend and what I did, and it's really great. Let's talk about some of the other people who are on this CD with you. Hands Without Shadows, the song that launches the, the CD off. You have yeah. the great Bobby Rock on, on drums. Tell us a little bit about your history with him. You have quite a history. Well, Bobby was the original drummer in my second band, Nitro. Right. And he played on the record. He's amazing. And he was in Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Um, he, he, he's really a great, great drummer. And, you know, he's, and he's a good friend. And um, I wanted, we had worked together only on, on the first Nitro album because after that, he, he became the drummer in the band Slaughter. And they offered him so much money, Nitro, we couldn't afford to keep him. He's like, I'm sorry, bro. He goes, I got to go where the cash is. <laughs> and, and I didn't blame him. They were paying him a lot of money for it. And uh, so. Um, what I did was that we've always, you know, maintained our friendship. And when I, uh, when I wanted to do some of uh, these songs, I, I talked to Bobby, and I flew him to Chicago and from LA, and uh, we recorded, and we recorded a bunch of things. Uh, Hands Without Shadows, he's on. Uh, he's on the Randy Rhodes Remembered song, and a couple other tracks. Yeah, and, uh, and he's, he's yeah, actually... I love his drumming. I mean, he's just really great. Yeah, he's. I think he's on the the Deep Purple cover too. Burn that you guys do. That's that's right, exactly. Yeah, and and what I wanted to do on the, the 
the first because on the original version, Ian Pace, um, I, I tempo mapped the original version, and it's because they didn't use a click track back then. It starts off fairly slow. By the end, the tempo is just flying, and and I actually marked it all out. I, I listened to the song, I analyzed it, the original version, and what I did is I picked a tempo that's somewhere in the middle. It's it's actually fairly fast, much not much faster, but enough. Uh, it's really pumped up, and Bobby had to play. Uh, you know, all that crazy stuff during the verse. And I told him, I said, go for it. I said, pretend it's a drum solo. And he just did a great job. Yeah, did an excellent and job. And then Todd Latore, uh, singing over the top, Queensryche's uh, singer. And, I mean, he sang fantastic. Mark Tremonti, that the first uh, solo uh, on there. It just it was it turned out really good. Yeah, it's a great cover of, of the Deep Purple classic, Burn. And I guess on a side note, are you aware that David Coverdale is going back and releasing a lot of his his old Deep Purple class. Version, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's I your feeling as a fan of that old Deep Purple stuff? Are you uh, are you excited to hear these new versions he's putting out, or or not? Well, I, I just know for myself. Uh, for example, the Van Halen. If we re-recorded these songs, if if we um, if, if Tommy sang things, and you know, the singer sang it an octave lower, like, for example, that new version of Burn, I mean, who am I to criticize? David Coverdale was on the original one. But they lowered the key dramatically. They slowed the tempo down. And and and, uh, and when the bridge comes in, that Glenn Hughes originally sang it to they he's singing an octave lower. And I went, what is this? And I, I don't know. I mean, it's... I don't know if I would have released it. I just know for myself, if we did a remake of a song that I had done in the past that was really a good song and we did a great original version, I couldn't at least do do it differently enough and, and with some a lot of energy. But then again, you know, that's, David Coverdale has nothing to prove. But, yeah, I, I'm not in love with that version. I thought my version is, is it's energetic, it's pumped up. The song's called Burn. It's not called Hibernate. <laughs> and, and so you've got to rock it. You know, you don't sing an octave lower. You just you sing balls out. Right that, that's my thinking. You play that way. Right on. I agree with you. I wanted to talk about one of the songs on the record, Slow Hand, your tribute to Eric Clapton. Now, you're a guy who's known, you know, to have some just incredible technique and speed as, as well as feel. And I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously, I guess you're a fan of Eric Clapton, even though he doesn't have that crazy technique. Uh, is that a true statement? Are you a big fan of his? I'm a huge fan, and and even when when I would do when I do that song in concert, um, I always say, you know, um, you know, Eric Clapton is known as slow hand. I am not. <laughs> and, uh, but what I loved about Eric Clapton because you you, know, you listen to a lot of guitar players, and the name Jimi Hendrix comes up all the time. Um, I love Jimi Hendrix. There's no question. How can you deny you know the greatness uh, of Hendrix? But he really didn't influence me the way Eric Clapton did. Eric Clapton was, was a hum, humbucker pickup person versus those strap pickups that Hendrix used. And and I thought Clapton's sound was so fluid back in the days of Cream. I mean, he was really a guitar hero back then. And, and then he changed to this, you know, superstar commercial artist. But I thought his playing, this, the tone, it was so smooth. And I, I figured out way more Clapton solos than I did Hendrix solos because I just related to him more. And, and I wanted to do a, a really cool tribute to him and do some of the songs. And then what I do in all my tributes is I mix some of my own music in, in between, kind of to, 
to, to glue together some of the, the different songs that I use. But yeah, I love Clapton. I really do. When it comes to some of the the players that are known more for their feel than their technique, who are some of your other favorite ones? Sorry, Mark, I didn't hear that. I apologize. Oh, I was just asking, besides Clapton, you know, uh, when it comes to players that have uh, more of a, a feel thing going than, say, a technique thing, who are some of your other favorites? I, I have some, some two favorites that people would not, well, there's actually three. Um, one is Johnny Winter. I love Johnny Winter. And, and uh, I, I, he's another one of these guys, just his playing, you know, is amazing. You know, he can play blues, his rhythm guitar playing, I love. And somebody that you wouldn't think, Joe Walsh. I love the way he plays guitar. You know, he comes up with those really killer riffs, and then he's got those signature leads. Uh, in fact, I, I figured out a bunch of Joe Walsh's signature leads, and I, I, I've done that over the years. Um, when I studied jazz guitar, they used to, um, my teacher would give me licks. He, he would, like, they four-measure licks to play, and, and I, I just... He wrote out hundreds of these things, and so I did the same thing in rock music. I would, if I heard a, a like a riff from somebody I like, whether it's Jimmy Page or even Hendrix or Clapton or, or Joe Walsh, I just, I'd figure it out and I'd steal it, and I kind of incorporated my own playing. But um, he's one that I like a lot. Uh, I love Joe Walsh, Johnny Winter, and then there, there's other, other guitar players. I mean, you listen to somebody like Van Halen. It's um, his rhythm playing, and because that that's something that people were talking to me. Uh, about last night after the concert here in LA, you know they, they go, you know Michael, you know you're, you know you, you play all these great solos. They go, but your rhythm guitar is spot on. It's dead on. And and even during the old Holland days, when Tom Worman, the producer, produced us, and I mean he did Poison, he did Molly Cooley, he was the biggest, one of the biggest producers of the '80s besides Mutt Lang. And he told me so. You know, forget about all the lead playing, Michael. He goes, your rhythm playing is really good. And, and I worked hard on that. And it's because of players like Johnny Winter and even Eric Clapton. That's another reason I love Clapton so much. His rhythm's real tight, and I just related to it a lot. Very cool. Now, you know, I've heard you talk about Holland a lot lately, and I, I, partly that's because you have the, the song got to run on this, on this new CD. But what about Nitro? How do you look back on the uh, recordings and albums you did with that band? Well, I, I was able to, um, and this is one of the reasons I think I was able to launch a successful solo career. Uh, they were, we were both on, you know, both bands were on major labels. Um, the Holland album, I felt, was a phenomenal record, and yet it didn't do as well. And then the Nitro album, I felt like we were characters in a rock and roll movie because the, the label president told me they go you know um i didn't come from the school of playing fast solos all the time yeah sure i had the speed but i never played like that i play melodies and i play fast and melodies again our label president nitro looked at me and he goes Badio. well he called me angelo at that time he goes angelo i want you to overplay all the time i go what <laughs> and he, said, wow. he goes I, I'm, he goes we're building this as the fastest guitar the highest vocals and the loudest band. He said everything is outrageous, and they and they said to me, "If you do this, we, me and the singer Jim Joel, we were at a meeting. They told us if we, if you deliver the record we want, which is we want the fastest guitars you can, fastest guitar you can play, the highest singing that that you can possibly do, and and make it sonically abrasive." They actually mastered the mid range out of our records, all highs and lows. Really, designed to piss people off. They said, if you do this, 
we guarantee we're going to ship 100,000 units and you're going to land on the charts. And it did. It was, it was the machine. And so I, I saw something in, very interesting about the record business. I didn't really like our album. We, our demos were way better because they were more, the guitar tone was thick and, and the singing was more, more, you know, not in the stratosphere. Right. But I remember I played a solo um, and, and, and Bob Cahill, the president of the record company, uh, he came down and, and he's listening. He goes, Angelo, he goes, I thought you were fast. He goes, what is this? He goes, play fast. Because <laughs> I wanted to play with taste. I, I worked out some solos. He goes, I don't want this. And it was hilarious. But, I mean, try doing that for every song. I had a rip. And, and it wasn't in my character, even though I can do it. So my, that's the memory of it. I mean, dude, I love both bands, yes. And, and we achieved a lot of success, especially on our first album, Nitro. But it, 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 I saw both sides, like music that I loved that didn't do as well and music that I didn't like as much that did great. And I, I said, you know, it was weird. Just, uh, you know, I, it was almost like looking at, at a... At a piece of paper that's white and somebody t- telling you no that's green right, no, it right. yes it is you know and and, uh, and then i start believing it's green after a while <laughs> you know i mean it's I, I mean after we did that album i was beat up physically uh, and mentally i was like my god listen to what we just did i mean it was outrageous and it was called ofr out effing rageous and we delivered we delivered the exact album they wanted from the image down to the music and even gene simmons told me he goes he goes I love it. He goes, your guitar playing is light years ahead of other guitars. Your singer's probably the most obnoxious singer I've ever heard. And he goes, and I love the name Nitro. He goes, I love it. Wow, cool. <laughs> and he, he said he was signed to his, his label, Simmons Records. Uh, he had his own label at that time, his right. major label. He said he would have signed us if we wouldn't have already been signed. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> you know, I guess it works. So that's the memory. Cool. And it's good memories. They're good memories, but but it's just so radically different. Very cool, very cool. And I had a, a just a great time hanging out with you on that metal show recently. You you just really did a great job with your performances and just really really killed it. Um, so if you, you listeners haven't seen that, it's available on VH1.com. You can check it out. And then there's also a, a bonus online feature where Michael and I just go through his his gear and his his double guitar. I think I referred to it in the clip as your double neck guitar, but you refer to it as the double guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can call it double neck. That's technically what it is. But, you know, when people hear that name, they a lot of times think of Jimmy Page. But uh, I, I love doing that metal gear. I love that segment. It was, and, you know, it's, it's become, you know, it's, it's done really well. And, and uh, uh, it was great. You had great questions. And, and I, I think it's interesting to see all the different artists that play there. And, and, and you know, from John Petrucci, I mean, listening to him talk about his gear, to someone like me who's much more of a, of a minimalist, but, you know, but every piece of gear is so important. You know, I don't have tons of rack gear, even my foot. But, you know, everyone gets their sound differently, and I think that's what's so uh, impressive about what you do and the questions you ask and, and the caliber of artists that, that play on that metal show. It's just amazing. Yeah, well, well, thank you. I appreciate that, and and uh, thank you for being a part of it. We got some uh, some more coming up. We have Billy Sheehan. We're going to do a bass one, so that should be exciting. Awesome, awesome. And I wish well, you thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, I wish you the best of luck, and I hope to see you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Talk to you. Bye bye.
what you just heard was a little music off of Michael Angelo Badio's album, Shred Force One. Go buy it, download it on iTunes, buy it on Amazon. I bought the CD right off his, his site, which we will have linked through today's show notes. Show your support. And now we will get into Trauma. Donnie from Trauma has joined us again on the podcast. And uh, Trauma, a great band with a lot of history going way back. Cliff Burton's band before Metallica. Anyways, they have new music out, and it is really good. We're going to hear some of it after the interview. But right now, let's hear from Donnie, the vocalist in the band Trauma. Hey, this is Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Donnie Hillier. How you doing, Donnie? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you, and hello to all the listeners on the Talking Metal show. Yeah, well, we're psyched to have you back. Last time you were on, we, we spoke a lot about the history of the band, that band, of course, being Trauma. And now I'm, I'm really psyched because I got in the mail Rapture and Wrath, the new record that Trauma has put out. You are, of course, the vocalist of this band uh, who has such a great history going all the way back to the early 80s when Cliff Burton of Metallica fame was a member of your band. But let's talk about Trauma 2015, this brand new record, Rapture and Wrath. How was it to finally get back into the uh, recording studio after all these years and, and work on new material? Oh, it was great. Um, all the members uh, of the band, the current lineup, have been really active during all that that time that passed. Um, you know, we've all been in many diverse different bands and, and have spent a lot of time in the recording studio. Um, members have, have done tours, some some actually in Europe, uh, U.S. tours. So we've all been active musicians, but it was just, you know, to be back in a trauma project was um, was great because this is the band that really has my heart. You know, this, this is my first band and the one that, that I always wanted um, to revive, and so that happened, and so, yeah, and, and of course, being in the studio is like being in Disneyland anyway for a musician, so it's just, just a great process. Awesome, and who is Trauma right now? Who is in the band besides right. yourself? You're the vocalist. Yes, um, the drummer from the Scratch and Scream days, um, Chris Gustafson, and uh, currently we have a, a new guitarist, and that's Kurt Fry, and he's a very veteran musician. He's done a lot of recording, touring, um, songwriting, and on bass guitar now. He did not play on the album, but um, we had a chance to go to Europe last summer and and uh, needed a, a stand-in on bass guitar. So we have Steve Ribello, who is actually also a guitarist, and some people may know him from a stand he did with a band called Dublin Death Patrol. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Wow, cool, cool. And so who did play bass on the record? Um, um, uh, Marcel Eaton, a uh, bass player out of Sacramento, California, and unfortunately, um, we, like I said, when we went to Europe last summer, Marcel had passport problems and uh. just could not get them straightened out in time um, to go on the trip, and one thing led to another, and, and there's there's a long history of friendship between um Steve and uh, our guitarist Kurt Fry. They've they've played in, in bands together going back 30 years. So, um, so Steve is currently in the lineup. Excellent, excellent, cool. And 
one thing I noticed about the record when listening to it, you know, I had it in my car, the CD, in the CD player with some good volume behind it was the production. And I, I really enjoy the, not only the songs and, and the performance you guys are given, but the production to me, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, the production had kind of an old school vibe to it. It, it reminded me, it brought me back to the, the, the days of, of, you know, shrapnel records and, and all the, all the great underground stuff that came out back in the eighties, like trauma, for example. And, and it, it kind of held true to that production wise. Was that a conscious effort that you guys uh, set out to, uh, to, to do? It wasn't actually, but but it did turn out that way, and you're you're right about that, Mark. Um, it was uh, I think it was more um, more um, the studio we recorded in um, Tanglewood Studios outside of Sacramento, California, and and the engineer there, the owner, um, he was a very good friend of Ronnie Montrose. In fact, Ronnie Montrose. Uh, lived up there on that property for a while and helped him design that studio, design and build it before he died. And I just, I think that's the approach. Um, John Morse is the owner and he was the uh, main engineer and that's how his studio is, is, uh, is built. And so I think it, it happened more organically. We didn't set out to do that. Um, but, but you are absolutely right. That's the way it came out. Yeah, well, I, I I like the production for one. Again, it's not a, a totally modern sounding style production. It's it's got that old school vibe, and I th- I thought that really suited the the songs well. Um, a lot of great songs on this. Are these songs that were written, you know, within the last few years, or are some of these dating back to the old days that maybe they're they're holdovers from the the old trauma days uh no holdovers um trauma actually uh, wrote wrote songs for a second album um back in the 80s but they were never recorded uh, we did a very very raw um demo tape um just for ourselves but uh i don't know that those songs will ever really see the light of day but uh these all these songs mark were were new um they were mostly written by Kurt and myself. Uh, Kurt brought songs to uh, to the band. In some cases, he and I would just work on a song in advance, but it was mostly Kurt would bring in song ideas to the band, and we would all listen and add our parts. Uh, sometimes he had a pretty well-arranged um, song, and sometimes they were, you know, chord progressions and licks and, and were, you know, put together. But that's um, but it was all all new ideas and um, you know there's kind of kind of a different kind of some eclectic styles um, on this album the songs don't all sound the same and and so we were just working on songs that we liked and uh, and then ended up with okay how, you know how many songs do we want on the album and which ones are they going to be and so it was it was kind of a kind of a real uh, not a lot of discussion about what we want these to sound like, um, and just you know what we liked. Gotcha, gotcha. And your voice sounds really good, uh, and the range sounds like it's still all there. You, I'm guessing, haven't had any trouble like a lot of singers we see who who had such an uh, incredible range. I mean, you could even say Jeff Tate just doesn't deliver like he he used to. 
but you sound like you're you're still on with the with the voice. Uh, would you agree with that statement? And do you work on it? Is there is there vocal techniques and and practice uh, things that you do to keep your voice strong? Yeah, I don't practice enough when I'm not practicing with the band, and that was something that that became obvious to me a couple of uh, about a month or six weeks ago. Is I just you know I was working too hard at a rehearsal um, that we hadn't um, played for a few weeks or actually about a month, and I realized yeah I'm I'm getting lazy. So to answer your question, um, I I took singing lessons for about a year from a from an opera um singer and his his mother was like uh, purportedly a famous italian opera star although i don't know if that's true or not but but at any rate he um w- taught me how to breathe and that was basically it before that i was a throat singer and that'll that'll rip you apart you just can't can't do it you know because if if you're kind of on a marathon schedule so I learned to breathe, and, and that's what it's all about is, is uh, the physical technique because singing really is very physical. And so um, when I get sloppy or, or lazy in, in practicing or my technique gets sloppy, um, I can feel my throat tightening up on me. And when I'm, when I'm disciplined and all that, then it's a lot more effortless. Cool. And when you say you were taking lessons for about a year from from this guy, is that more recently and more recent times? No, that was a long time ago. Oh, um, that was a long yeah, time. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's uh, you know, I, I really I wanted to improve my range, and I really wanted to you know sing sing metal and all that. And um, yeah, it just it just wasn't work. I just had a lot of sore throats, you know, right. from from bad technique. Cool. Um, one thing I, I dug is the new music video you guys put together. It was fun to actually, you know, see you guys out there playing uh, one of the songs, which was uh, When I Die. Right. Where did you guys shoot this video? Yeah, that was done in uh, San Francisco in uh, a large rehearsal studio complex. They have, I, I don't even know how many rooms, but it's just this huge old warehouse complex and there's a few recording studios in there and and mostly rehearsal studios but it, you know it's a musician's world and um, they have a sound stage there um, that you know people rent for big rehearsals or showcase party or or videos so we um, shot it over there and that was a place that I'm very familiar with I've done a lot of rehearsals over there and actually recorded in a in a studio in that complex it's called Secret Studios in San Francisco. Cool. Um, I want to circle back to the new record in in just a minute, but you mentioned before that you know you guys have all been been active through the years doing music, even when when trauma wasn't active as a band. What what were you up to personally? Uh, what bands? What projects were you working on for yeah. the the yeah. time in between tra- when trauma stopped and when you guys picked it back up again a few years back? Sure. Um, I did a, a couple of years with Kurt Fry um, in a band called Heist. They went on to record an album with a, a different singer, and Steve Ribello um, played in that band with Kurt. Uh, then I I did take some time off to have a family, all, do all that kind of um, normal stuff. And uh, but I missed it, you know, got got kind of restless. So then I just I kicked about in in a, 
bunch of different bands, um, people that really didn't know anything about my history and trauma. I, I, you know, I didn't even talk to them about it. So, uh, just keep my hand in it. And then I got a little more serious and tried some, um, recording projects with some, you know, people from the heavy metal 80s era around San Francisco and, and then eventually did, um, three albums with a band called Black Sunday Dream. And then, uh, and then the Mike Varney Shrapnel um, Scratch and Scream re-release project right. uh, dropped in our laps, and that was that was a good catalyst to put Trauma back together. And Chris and I were both available at the same time um, to do this, and that that had been really the problem through the years is getting getting uh, enough of the members from the old days. Uh, in the same place at the same time, and and that happened, and then you know I dropped everything musically and put my effort into trauma. Excellent. Now you're in the San Francisco area. I recently had, uh, I guess I would call it the privilege to hang out and and work a little bit with Kirk Hammett of of Metallica, who oh, just great. seemed like a really nice, down to earth guy. Considering you know he sold a, a hundred. 10 million records and is, is probably, you know, flies around on private jets and whatnot. He, he just seemed like a very humble and, and, and nice dude. Do you ever run into any of the Metallica guys? You obviously have that history of, of once having Cliff Burton in the band trauma. Do you have any run-ins with them? No, I don't know any of them. Um, I, I went to Cliff's um, first show with them, uh, you know, and that was that was a short time after he left Trauma, um, and I exchanged just a few words uh, with Lars backstage at that show, and then I I guess I shook hands with um, Kurt um, at um, Kirk at uh, the last time I saw Cliff, they were opening for. Ozzy Osbourne at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, and so I met him at that point, but not really a lot of conversation, but I, I know, to answer your question, I don't know any of them personally. Right. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I definitely want all the uh, the Talking Metal listeners to check out this great new record you guys have put out. Trauma is absolutely back and in, in, in perfect, great form on Rapture and Wrath. It is the the new record that we will link the new music video for When I Die through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And also, exciting news, you guys are, are putting the record out on vinyl. I'm a big vinyl guy, so I'm going to try to track down a copy of that. Uh, are you into vinyl? Am I? Yes. I was. Um, so, no, not presently, but, um, but with this happening, and I've noticed a lot of releases are now coming out with um, editions of vinyl. I gave, We had turn, two turntables, and we gave them both away. Um, no foresight there. But, uh, so we need to get something together, a new turntable. And, and uh, yeah, no, I think it's great that that's happening. I, I just saw everything going to the digital format and thought that's the way the world would go. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that uh, there's a lot of younger kids in, in their 20s and stuff that now are, are suddenly discovering vinyl and 
final is is selling a lot better than than it has in in years. So I, I think it's the right move and uh, great stuff. I have the CD. I hope to get the vinyl. It looks like uh, it has to be shipped from Europe or something. I was investigating it, but um, who knows? Maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll buy that. And where is the best place people online can buy the vinyl and and the CD? Um, well, the record label is Pure Steel Records. Um, they're they're from Germany, so they have their website, you know, puresteelrecords.com. Uh, Pure and then um, it's the album is available at all the usual outlets, um, iTunes and Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I mean, you know, I I've looked, and there's just page after page of outlets um, it's distributed worldwide so that that's part of it you'll see a lot of foreign foreign language um, sites but it's uh, if you you know just search Google um, trauma um, rapture and wrath you'll see a lot of price ranges and, and a lot of different outlets to, to purchase from and and uh, yeah that's that's right the vinyl um, release is coming soon so so that's uh, that's a very cool thing too for people who want to go there. Excellent. Well, Donnie, thanks so much for checking in with us on Talking Metal, and we wish you all the best of luck. Any upcoming shows we should know about? Um, no, we did one a couple of weeks ago, and we're uh, we're um, talking about getting back to Europe. Um, we played in Germany last summer which was our first trip over there. Um, we are talking to uh, a promoter about coming to the tri-state, to your area, the tri-state area, and um, but that's just at the discussion level. Um, we're really anxious to get out and, and play live more uh, outside of Northern California, uh, Nevada area, and so we'll see how all that goes. And... Uh, and hopefully we're able to come to your area and play live. Yeah, I'd love to see you guys play in New Jersey or, or New York City. There's a there's a couple clubs I could see you guys, uh, you know, fitting into the scene there. W- well, which ones, so. Mark? Well, there's there's one in Brooklyn called Saint Vitus. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I have. They... I have. I I, I have um, Facebook friends. Well, you're a Facebook friend of mine, but I have some Facebook friends that are musicians from the New York area, and we played with a couple of bands from your area over in Germany at a festival last summer. So, yeah, I'm familiar with that one. I know about Revolution in uh, Long Island and Webster right. Hall in Manhattan, and those have been venues that have been suggested. But again, we're just at the discussion level. Cool. Well, cool. keep me posted on that. Yeah, I'd love great. To see you guys live. Great. Yeah, I hope I get to meet you face to face and maybe see you and John play yourselves. But that would be that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Donnie, on Talking Metal. And again, we'll have all the links up in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. Thank you, Mark.
just heard was brand new trauma definitely go support these guys buy their shit for sure for sure support 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 me support what i do here on talking metal go to talkingmetal.com and go buy a t-shirt in the merch section that would be great all right guys that's uh it for now i appreciate you listening to uh, me ramble here and talk with some great guys donnie and michael big thanks to them 
We'll check you out next time. Look for a new Talking Metal episode every Tuesday on TalkingMetal.com, iTunes, and Spreaker. We have two versions of the show now. There is a version with music and then a a version where we pull out all the music so um, we can get it on iHeartRadio, which is very, you know, particular about um, music. So there you go. If you don't like listening to the music, I've heard occasionally through the years people like to skip through the music. So if you don't like listening to the music, seek out the non-music version of talking talking metal. I do think the majority of people do do enjoy hearing the music, but um, you know some of them don't. And if you are an iHeartRadio guy, you have no choice. You get the 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 version of the episode clean with no music. All right, check me out on talkingmetal.com. I'm on Twitter at Talking Metal, at Striegel, at Metal Raps. I have three Twitter accounts. Ridiculous, I know. But um, follow me on any one of those. Check out my other podcasts. Uh, I do one with Mitch LaFon from time to time uh, called One-on-One with Mitch LaFon. I'm honored to be a part of that. Not, I'm not on every episode, but I'm on a lot of them, and he, he does a great job with his interviews. Metal Raps is a show I do with Mitch Joel, Mitch LaFon, and, and myself, where we discuss and argue and debate uh, current heavy metal and hard rock and just plain old rock news. That's called Metal Raps. And I have another one called Talking Rock, which I'm, I'd am i love to do more with that. I'm thinking of maybe uh, revamping it and... Uh, maybe even rewriting the RSS feed. But for now, it is up on iTunes and on TalkingMetal.com. That show, of course, is called Talking Rock. All right, later.